Friends, we are indeed in Acts chapter 20, and this is an incredibly moving section of Acts. It's one of my favorite sections of the entire book because we know that Paul is finishing up his third missionary journey. He's hustling ahead to Jerusalem, where ultimately he's going to be arrested and his fate is uncertain. And so as he passes by Ephesus, which is the place he spent the most amount of time, more than any other church that he planted, he says, please bring the elders to me. I want to speak to them for one last time. And these are the words that he shares with them. What's interesting is in the book of Acts, every single speech we have is of a Christian preaching the gospel to a non-Christian. It's evangelism. And this is the only speech in Acts, which is actually between believers, one believer to another saying, hear these things, remember these things, do these things. So it's with special attention that we lean in and hear Paul's last living words to the church he spent the most time with. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we hear Paul's life ambition, we would make it our own and you would marshal us as a church body to be serious about presenting each other mature in Christ. Do that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I got a buddy in the church who, when he sends emails, he's got a little quote at the bottom of every single email he sends, and it's by a Frenchman whose name I can't pronounce, but you may have heard the quote before. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people together to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Have you heard that before? What is he getting at at that quote? He's trying to say, Nobody is interested in hard manual labor without a clear vision. I haven't met anybody who enjoys doing sit-ups, but I've met a ton of people who want washboard abs. I haven't met anybody who enjoyed memorizing their multiplication table, but I've met a ton of people 
who wanted to graduate elementary school and move out of their parents' house, right? I don't enjoy the manual labor for its own sake, but if you will give me the vision and if you'll tell me where we're going and why we're doing this thing, well, then I can put up with a whole lot of work. And that's what Paul is essentially doing in our passage. He's saying no one is going to collect any wood until we all get a chance to look at the endless immensity of the sea. So believer, look again at this ocean in verse 24. He says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Friend, I believe with all my heart that if we will trade our little life purposes for this grand life purpose, by the power of the Spirit, we will actually live happier, more fulfilled lives for the glory of God and for the sake of this church and this city. Did you hear me? If we will trade the little life ambitions that we brought into the room this morning for this grand life ambition, it will be to our joy and fulfillment and it will be for the good of this church and for this city. The moment you start talking about life ambition, you begin to ask some real serious questions about what we're doing here. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my time? Why do I get out of bed in the morning and work long days only to go to bed and get up again the next day? But of course, we all have a life purpose. We all have an ambition. If you're here this morning, you did actually get out of bed and you did get up for something. We have an aim. We have a goal. Even if we can't fully put it into words, Everybody who's here gets out of bed for something. Everybody is able to fill in the blank of verse 24. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only blank. If I do blank, then I would consider that a valuable, precious, fulfilled life. And if I don't do blank then I will look back on my life and say that was time wasted. So friends, what do you fill in the blank? And I'll tell you there's an ideal answer and there's a real answer. This is an answer I would like to fill in and say this is true of me and I would like you to think it's true of me and it's an answer that would please your pastor and and you'd get a pat on the back. But then there's the real answer that I myself and you hold that maybe it's better to ask the people around us, where does this person actually spend their time and energy and money and prayer and anxiety and gifts and talents? Where do those things go? And when you show me where those things go, then I could tell you this person's ambition. Paul doesn't make us guess. He says, I'm going to tell you plainly, this is my life ambition that I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. 
Now, if you're like me and you see a hard thing coming, you might want to look for loopholes to get out of said hard thing. So Paul is saying, this is my life ambition. And some of us might be thinking, well, that's Paul. And that's Paul's life ambition. And Paul is a very unique person in the Bible. And he's a big A apostle. And he was literally commissioned by Jesus in a vision and has seen his resurrected body. And so Paul is making this his life ambition. And that's a unique role. But of course, while yes, Paul is a very, very special person, there's nothing he's saying here that is not also said about believers in other passages. We all share, as a born-again believer, the ambition that Paul just shared with us. And what is this universal life purpose of Paul and all believers elsewhere? He says to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I am here... I exist, I get out of bed every single morning to bear witness to myself and to my household and to my neighborhood and to my workplace and to my school and to my church and to anyone with a pulse. There is grace to be had in God. I am on this planet to shout from the rooftops wherever God has placed me that there is good news in this gospel that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, if you were drugged here this morning as an agnostic and you don't know about this Jesus thing or you have been walking with him for decades, we still have not found the depth of the sin and shame within us and even so, God's gospel says, I love you in spite of it because the gift of my son That's what it means to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Sinners once separate from God are now joined to him in precious union, filled by his spirit, adopted as his children. We get to grow up together and bear spiritual fruit together for the glory of God and the joy of the nations. That is the endless immensity of of the sea. Take a good long look at a life that is worthwhile in the kingdom of God, growing up into God and growing out for the sake of each other. That's what Paul is saying in Colossians chapter 1 when he says that we are here to present each other mature in Christ. That's a valuable life. That's a fulfilled life. That is a life that makes its time on this earth matter. Well, if that's our purpose, if that's the sea, if that's where we're headed, then the how, the second point is the brass tacks. If that's the ambition and the spirit within me says, yes, that's my ambition too, I resonate with that and I want to do that as well, then how do we start collecting wood to build this ship? How do we go about doing this ministry of presenting each other mature in Christ? Well, Paul says in our passage, two ways that we do it. These aren't all the ways, but two ways that I, as a little old believer in this church, begin to present other believers mature in Christ. Two ways are a ministry of presence and a ministry of of profitability. A ministry of presence and a ministry of profitability. 
So this is the how. I want to present you in mature in Christ. Number one, I have this ministry of presence. Now, I'll admit, as a self-absorbed introvert, I wish this wasn't so. I wish there was an easier way to make disciples. In fact, I wish I could waltz in here on a Sunday morning and preach killer sermons and disciples would just appear fully formed in the congregation and then I could go home and watch Netflix. Like, I wish it wasn't so, but Paul pictures something a lot more hands-on and a lot more of the body involved in verses 18 and 19. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you from the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials. Disciple making is a ministry of presence. It is a ministry of spending time with each other. Now, we could do something super intimidating this morning, and we could go around the room in a room this size and have everybody introduce themselves, tell us your name, and as an icebreaker, tell us what spiritual gift you bring to the table to present the rest of us mature in Christ. Like, what do you have that we don't have that you bring to the table that is going to make us mature, okay? Start down in front and just begin introducing yourself Well, that's terrifying for a number of reasons, but one of those reasons is a lot of us are sitting here thinking, I don't have a spiritual gift to contribute to others to make them mature in Christ. And I know you think that because we've had coffee and you've said to me, I don't have a spiritual gift to help present other people mature in Christ. I don't know what that is. I don't feel like a valued team member on the varsity squad to get about making disciples. I don't know what that is. Well, of course, the Bible tells us that all of us have spiritual gifts and all of our gifts are needed if you are filled with the Spirit that Paul says in actually Ephesians chapter four that each joint working properly together builds the body up into maturity. If I'm not doing anything, that I'm not contributing to what Paul says is God's vision for the church. So we all have those gifts even if we're at a different place on our journey saying, I've got to experiment with some ministries before I know what that gift is, that's okay. But the good news is, no matter where you're at, all of us share this one gift together. It's the gift that God has given us as a believer. It's a ministry of presence, of time with each other in each other's company. I don't need to know what my other spiritual gifts are to know that if I have margin and I spend it with believers, that is a valued ministry in God's kingdom. Paul says in verse 18, you know how I lived among you the whole time. He's saying to you, my life was an open book to you. You saw my life. You saw my home. I welcomed you in. I was vulnerable in front of you. You saw my faith. He goes on to say in verse 19, you saw my humility, my tears, my trials. Paul says part of my ministry was crying in front of you. That's vulnerable disciple making. Did you know you could make a disciple by crying in front of another person? That's a beautiful ministry. Who have I invited as a young believer close enough to my life that they know what I cry about, that they know what I'm afraid of, 
that they know that I have to run to the Lord and how I respond in humility because I don't know what I'm going to do next. Is anybody welcomed into those places in my life because that's a ministry of disciple making? being united to Christ and letting other people watch you fumble through this life of faith. What a gift that you and I can give to each other in this ministry of presence. Secondly, a ministry of profitability. It's one thing to be present with people. It's another thing to be profitable with them. And I see my small business owners nodding and tracking with me. It's one thing to show up for work. It's another thing to be profitable in my workplace. I know that all time is not valued the same. And so for disciple makers, this profitability is about turning relationships and turning conversations towards the Lord. It's not just about quantity time, it is also about quality time. Paul says this in verses 20 and 21, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't just that I was with you all the time. It's that when I had time with you, I tried to regularly turn conversations towards the Lord, towards faith in God and repentance over my sin. I tried to use the time that I had. How beautiful is that? Well, in our household, we've had a huge change this summer in the Gentino home because we got a second teenager like we had one running around in sassy, hormonal defiance, and then we blinked and they doubled. There's two of them now that are in my home, and the Gentino household is nothing but back talk and vaping and misdemeanors. It's like, it's terrible. We've sunk into a new low. Well, when a child turns 13... You should have thought about this before, but you really think about it now. There's only five years between when this 13-year-old is in my house to when they launch into the real world. Have I taught them everything they need to know to face the world? Have I shown them? Have I instructed them? Have I poured into them? Like I knew I was supposed to be doing it for a while, but I was mostly changing their diaper. And then they turned 13, and now I got to get serious about time is short. Let's be intentional. What are we going to do with these days? Well, Julie and I heard a fantastic podcast, podcast that had a great recommendation that said, why don't you literally write some of these things out? Like you know them and you're thinking about them, but what if you began to write out just in all these areas, what are some milestones spiritually and socially and physically and practically that my kids are achieving, learning, doing before they launch that's a way to kind of celebrate those things together? I thought that was a fantastic idea. And so we actually got out a sheet of paper and began saying, okay, what are some of these practical things? Like we got the spiritual things, we got some of these other things. What are just some practical things? I want all my kids to be able to mow the yard. I want them to know how to wash and fold their laundry because I never learned that and I can't do that. I want them to know how to meal prep and make a meal and serve a dinner. Like that's, that's basic stuff that they're going to need to know. That's great. But I left the sheet of paper on the table and my kids found it 
and it started to devolve. And so things began appearing on that list like they also need to be skilled in skydiving and splunking. And then the list just continued to devolve and the last time I checked it had things like forge a passport, open up an offshore bank account, find the lost city of Atlantis. I mean, teenagers, I'm telling you, like everything is devolving. But I am sticking with the principle, what do I need to teach my child to launch into the world? If that's the kind of intentionality that goes into preparing a teenager to face the real world, how much more intentionality goes into preparing each other to face this glorious, all-consuming, created purpose to be happy in God. If I'm serious about that, how much more am I serious about this that we are doing together? If I will own Paul's ambition for my own to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, it's my job to present each other mature in Christ. And if I begin to put margin in my life that I actually have quantity time to spend with the church, then what will I do with that time? Am I seizing moments and opportunities with other people that they will know and they will feel the grace of God? Church, that's a gift that we give to each other. I want to give that gift to you. I want you to give that gift to me. I want us to spend time with each other as a church body, and I want to use that time well. I don't want to take it for granted that just because you have a collared shirt and you smiled this morning that your Christian life is okay. I want to be serious about asking each other, what's your walk with God look like? Where do you struggle? What are you repenting of? How are we running to Jesus together? What does he think about you in the middle of of your addiction? Do you know the benefits that are yours in Christ Jesus? Do you know that you're united to him and as adopted as a child and the benefits that Jesus have, you have in the spirit? Do you know the gifts that have prepared you to walk this Christian life for his kingdom? Use this time together. It's fleeting. It will not last. But what will are the moments believers spend presenting each other mature in Christ. That is a fulfilling life. That's a valuable life. That is a life of worship to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, will you shake us and wake us? We do waste time and we plead with you that you will marshal us to be a church body that takes its ambition seriously, that it is my role in the spirit to come alongside fellow believers and prompt them and push them towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Do that and bear good fruit through that. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.